0: Hi, my name is Marvin. The Old Testament reading is found in Psalms, 104, verses twenty-seven, thirty. These who all look to you, give them food in due season. Lord, when you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hands, they are filled with good things. Lord. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. Lord, when you send forth your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. Lord, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. God.
1: Thank God for Marvin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> if I can do this without crying <laughs> my name is Bill the New Testament reading is found in Romans 5 1 through 5 therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Word of the Lord. To God.
0: Hi, my name is Maddie. Thank you for standing for the gospel reading found in John 20, verses 19, 19 through 22. remain standing for a moment and uh just invite the spirit's presence and work into our hearts and um not just our hearts and as we think about uh who who we are before the face of the lord we think about the spiritual side but the psalmist says that the spirit when the spirit's poured out when the lord sends his spirit it renews the face of the ground so god touches us in our physicality and um and so there are some of you that are here this morning and you feel fear and anxiety raging in your body. And, um, well, the Lord is present by his spirit here to just say peace to you and receive the Holy Spirit. And so here and now we receive your Holy Spirit, Lord. We receive your Holy Spirit. We thank you that, um, that there's nothing evil tucked in your Holy Spirit, and that when you pour out your spirit, you're pouring out the abundance of life and goodness and joy that comes straight from your heart. And you know, the further we go into you, we're, um, again, we will find no malice and we will find no ill agenda for our lives tucked into you. And to interface with your spirit is to interface directly with that part of you that intends to do us good immediately, now and here and now, all the days of our life. And so we trust you we trust you. Spirit, we pray that you would break down all the walls of mistrust in our hearts and um, all posturing and all fear, pride, and anger, everything that keeps us out of the kingdom. Break it all down. Break it all down so that the life of the kingdom would rush into us. We pray for a spirit of great authenticity this morning. That, um, that the kingdom of God would shine forth and that we'd find ourselves running deeper into it. So we're asking for that. May the words of our mouth this morning, Lord, and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Amen. You may be seated. They tell me I get till twelve oh five this morning. I'm one of those long-winded types, so we're going to give it a good college try. Hi, how are you this morning? Good. My name is Andrew, like Evan said, and uh, I pastor a church just up the road uh, in Denver. Church is Bloom Church. We're a wonderful community of uh, five hundred or so people. House churches spread throughout the Denver metro area, and uh, we are a community that believes very deeply in the Spirit's work. Uh, the Spirit who makes us into the new humanity, a reflection of the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, I, um, I knew Glenn in college and I knew Pastor Daniel Grothy in college. And then we kind of all went our separate ways. And about five years ago, um, as we were doing our work in Denver, I rekindled some of those old relationships. And, uh, you know, the one thing I'll just say really quickly about your church, New Life Church, Is that we've um, belonged to or been around or been a part of so many different congregations over the years. And a lot of times, um, the closer you get to churches, the more you kind of peel back the layers, you'll go, oh, there's that really stinky and ugly part of the church. Okay, there it is. And the longer we've been around New Life and the more we peel back the layers, the more good it gets. And there is just a beauty to this congregation and to the leadership of this place and the spirit of this place that is so wonderful. And I hope that you know that, and I hope that you lean into it, because it is such a wonderful place. And so, and that's a a credit to you as much as anything else. So keep being the people of God, because you're doing a wonderful job at it. Um, We're talking about the Holy Spirit this morning, and I I don't have long, and so I want to be as succinct as I possibly can. But you know, the Holy Spirit, um, to me, um, when we talk about the Spirit's work, we're talking about, um, to me, some of the most tender and beautiful parts of the Christian life. And yet it can also, um, by the same token, you know, the old language for the Holy Spirit was the Holy Ghost, right? And and so you start thinking in that direction, and that says something, I think, about the visceral emotional response that a lot of people have to thinking about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is the, uh, the much more sort of um, ethereal, esoteric, um, out there part of what God does. And the more standard, straightforward parts of what God does are the other two members of the Godhead. Uh, God the Father, very powerful fountain of divinity. Uh, God the Son, Jesus the Lord, Jesus of Nazareth. We kind of know something about that, but then the Holy Spirit is sort of Out there, it's kind of like that strange person who comes to the party and you go, okay, you're welcome at the party, but please just talk to your friends over there, okay? That's the way that I think that sometimes we think about the Holy Spirit. I got a good friend in Denver who uh, grew up Catholic and had an immersive experience of the Holy Spirit in college in a worship service and she said, you know, up to that point she said to me, God the Father was kind of this powerful distant figure and Jesus the Son was like this historical person that you had to believe in to go to heaven and then the Holy Spirit was some weird third wheel that I really didn't know what to do with. And I actually think that that's the way that a lot of Christians feel about the Holy Spirit that we go, you know, if we could um, well, yeah, just stay over there or if we could cut this part out of it and just deal with more historical, straightforward things, that would be good. But I think that to the extent that we think that way, we're missing so much of the depth of what God has for us, and no better place to begin, I think, thinking about who the Holy Spirit is than with the words of Jesus himself. And so, if you have Bibles, I'll invite you to turn to John chapter 14. I'm going to bounce around in this um, one of the last sort of uh, moments that Jesus has with his disciples. He's setting out, he's giving them some sort of concluding instructions and then some promise about what is to come. And so, I want to make three points to you, and then I'll lead us in a, into a time of prayer that'll take us. Into communion. So the first point, if we have it up on the screen, is this that the Holy Spirit is God's ongoing personal presence with us. The Holy Spirit is God's ongoing personal presence with us. Look down at chapter 14 and verse 16. Jesus says, He's getting ready to depart, and He says, And I'm going to ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate. Everybody say, Another advocate. Another advocate, the Greek word for advocate is, um, it's the parakletos, right? The parakletos, it's two Greek words kind of smashed together. The Holy Spirit is the one who is uh, para, alongside, and kletos from kaleo, called. So the Holy Spirit is the one who is called alongside us to help us. So I will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. So to help you and to be with you, the spirit of truth, the world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you now and he will be in you. That's important. We'll come back to that. And I will not leave you as orphans for I will come to you. I will come to you. So Jesus, the Jesus whom the disciples have come to know and love and trust as their present teacher and guide is getting ready to leave and their hearts are filled with all kinds of consternation. You know, like, how are we going to do this? What are you expecting us to do to just kind of like bunker down here and wait until you return? And Jesus goes, oh, no, 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 no. It's not like that. In fact, later in these several chapters of John, he actually says that it's for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the helper will not come to you, the paraclete. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so the Holy Spirit is not just the promise of uh, God's ongoing personal presence with us, but it is God himself, the later Athanasian Creed. I know that the Nicene Creed is uh, sort of the statement of faith for New Light Church, but the later Athanasian Creed will talk about how the Holy Spirit is co-equal with the Father and the Son, so that when we have the Holy Spirit, we have all of God. We have all of God. And Jesus promised to be with us forever in Matthew 28, Lo, I am with you always until the very end of the age. That is fulfilled in the sending of the Holy Spirit. Now, for a lot of uh, my Christian life, I, I grew up in a charismatic Pentecostal home, and we loved the Holy Spirit and celebrated the Holy Spirit, but then I spent a long time around some charismatics who were really far out there. And there was a significant period of my life where I thought, you know, if the Holy Spirit is all of that weird stuff in the Christian life... Then I'm not sure if I want to have anything to do with that. And so after I finished up college, I went to a seminary that would describe uh, not as an anti-charismatic or anti-Pentecostal place, but at least non. You know, it was sort of like a where well, you're not too sure about all of that. We read the Bible kind of place, which I wanted. And I remember saying to myself when I went off to seminary that um, look, I'm going to read the Bible, okay? And if I read the Bible, especially the New Testament, and I come to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit is tangential or so just sort of out there and that what we're really supposed to be about is just the person of Jesus, then that's what I'm going to do because I'm a Bible guy at heart and I want to be faithful to what the scripture says. And so I spent many, many months studying and pouring through the New Testament and reading theology and all of that. And I remember the moment it sort of clicked for me that I was pouring through the New Testament and I just sort of went, wait a minute, wait a minute. Not only is um, a, a belief in the Holy Spirit um, warranted by a reading of the New Testament, but actually, the only way any of the good things that God has for us come to us is by way of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so there's no like, okay, so God the Father is doing some of these things, and God the Son is doing some of this stuff, and then if you want like the really super crazy part of the Christian experience, then there's this other part that the Holy Spirit does. Instead, the whole of what God wants to do for the church comes to us by way of the Holy Spirit. There's no part of it that doesn't involve the Holy Spirit. The church is not able to rise at all except by the Holy Spirit for it's the Holy Spirit who grafts the church into the person of Christ making them the body of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts the world of sin and draws them into the kingdom of God. It's the Holy Spirit who equips the church with gifts that allow the body of Christ to rise. It's the Holy Spirit that confirms in our hearts that we're the sons and the daughters of God. It's the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul says that nobody can even say Jesus is Lord, like those words cannot even leave your lips in an authentic way unless the Holy Spirit does it. So not only is the Holy Spirit not just tangential, but the Holy Spirit is central to the entire life. Jesus says, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I will come to you. Well, oh, he comes to us by way of the Holy Spirit. And that realization was such a funny thing because then I started paying attention to the way it, that so many of my non-charismatic friends would pray and we'd get together in these little prayer groups and you'd hear them pray. They'd go, well, we're not too sure about the Holy Spirit, but, um, but we love to pray and we want to be faithful to Jesus. And so we'd start to pray and they'd go, Lord, we just pray that, that, you would, um, that we would uh, feel a sense of your presence and that you'd be with us. And I would think to myself, Holy Spirit. And they would go... They would go, and Lord, just help us use everything that you've given us for the glory of God and the good of the world. And I go, yep, Holy Spirit. And they go, Lord, Jesus, Lord, help us be faithful to Jesus and help us bear witness to our friends of the saving power of Jesus. And I go, yep, and the Holy Spirit. And everything that they go, guys, it is the Holy Spirit. The great German theologian, Jürgen Moltmann, actually says that if you want a genuine antecedent for the Spirit's work in the Old Testament, you have to look to the Shekinah glory of God. That when God led his people out of Egypt, he didn't just go, um, hey guys, so here's the rule book, Torah, now you just do that and take care of that, and I'm going to flit off to some other corner of the universe because I've got some more important matters to attend to, and if you ever need anything, just give me a holler and I'll come and I'll help you out again. He doesn't do that. But what God does is he goes, oh, I have a people now, I'm moving in. I want to be with you. I want to dwell with you. I want to give you everything that you need to walk with me. It's not just Torah, but it's Shekinah, glory, weightiness, presence, that pillar of fire in the cloud that guided the people of God. guys. What I'm saying to you this morning is that the Holy Spirit is the fullness of God with us, and all of the interest and the fascination and the power of the Christian life come from really being led by the Spirit and trusting that the Spirit is with us to guide us into the future that God has for us. He's present with us, speaking to us, leading us into the kingdom of God. I hung out not too long ago, pastor, a pastor friend of mine from California, a guy came out, he'd been spying on our church for a couple of years, and wanted to come out to learn more about how we do things in Denver, and so we sat down and talked about the ministry model that we have, and it was all very fun, and he said, you know, he goes, you know, what you guys are doing is so important and it's so valuable, and he said, you know, and I actually think that, like, this model that you've created, and we have created, we're uh, really creative types, and we have made something that I think is really fascinating and beautiful. And he goes, you know, I really think that God would use this model powerfully um, to influence the church in North America in the coming decades of the church. And um, so you just need to know that. And so I went back to my house, and I thought about our conversation, and I thought to myself, you know, actually, though, if there's anything that's fascinating or valuable about what has happened with our church in Denver, it's not that we've created a model. Because Christians are always creating models and doing stuff, and we're making things, and, and it's around for a while, and then it goes away. You know what the really fascinating thing about what we've done is? is that we've relied on the Holy Spirit, and we always, we always told people at our church, you know, there is no book in the back room on how to be Bloom. We don't know. All we have is our convictions about what the kingdom looks like and the necessity of the moment. And then we've always laid that before the face of the Holy Spirit and said, Spirit, what would you have us do? What would you have us make? What would you have us create? What would be helpful to you? What would help people? This is what we want to do. And all of the little moves that we've made along the way have been because we were led by the Spirit of God. That is the whole enjoyment and the fun of the Christian life. And it's not just about ministry stuff, guys, it's about your life. That your whole life, everything that you hold and everything that you're concerned about, what I'm saying to you is that the Holy Spirit is God's personal presence with us. You can lay that before the face of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit will guide you into what is right and true and good and beautiful. Are you with me this morning? All right, good. That leads me to the second thing that I want to say, which is this. Next slide. The Holy Spirit leads us into the reality of Jesus. So to the extent that the Holy Spirit is God's personal presence among us, what the Holy Spirit is always doing is leading us into the reality of Jesus. This is 14 in verse 26. Jesus says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things So he's going to teach you everything. Isn't that good news? (laughs) It's like wonderful. Like you're not just going to be wandering around in a hopeless fog trying to figure out what to do. But the spirit of truth is with you to help you know what the universe is really like. And he's going to lead you into it. So he'll teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be... Afraid. Then in verse chapter 16 and verse 12, listen to this. He says, I have much more to say to you. Jesus is like, I'm not done teaching you. He says, and it's more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth and he won't speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come and he will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And all that belongs to the father is mine. And that's why I said that the spirit will receive From me, what he will make known to you. So here's the picture Jesus, the Son, has received everything from the Father. The Father hides nothing from him, the Father keeps nothing from him. And Jesus, who is the fullness of God Himself, by the power of the Holy Spirit, gives everything to the church through the Spirit. The Spirit is with the church to lead the church further into the reality of Jesus. The Spirit is not just the purveyor of all of the wild and far out stuff, but the center of the bullseye of the Spirit's work is that he leads us to behold the face of the Lord. To know Jesus and love Jesus and walk with Jesus in all of life. One of my favorite stories, um, 35 years or so, Ago, pope John Paul II appeared in St. Peter's Square, the Vatican, before these masses of adoring people. And there was an assassination attempt on his life. A man, a Muslim man, who was associated with a number of radical sort of militant groups, tried to take his life. So shot at him, uh, I think four times or something. The Pope was critically wounded and wound up in the hospital. And when he finally, and the man was taken to prison instantly when they caught him. When they caught him. And uh, the Pope, when he finally came to, he began to plead with Christendom saying, I want you to pray for my brother, whom I have sincerely forgiven. When he finally got healthy again, actually two years later, the Pope made his way to the prison where the man was being held and began to strike up a genuine friendship with him. So much was this the case that when the Pope was in the throes of the illness that would later claim his life in the early 2000s, the man and his family sent letters to the Pope wishing him well and hoping that he would get better. And then just two years ago, after the guy finally got out of prison, he went to the tomb where the Pope was laid and laid a bouquet of white roses on the top of the tomb and said, a thousand thanks his holiness. This is a miracle that goes on. Long live Jesus Christ. ever forgive their enemies apart from the reality of the Spirit's work who softens us up and reminds us that we can't live with hatred and we can't live with anger and we can't live with fear and we can't live with antagonism because that's not what Jesus would want for us and it's not the kingdom of God. And so it's the Spirit moving upon the heart of the Pope that leads him to forgiveness which softens the hardness of this man's heart and leads him to a confession of Jesus Christ. Guys, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing,
1: is that he's leading
0: us into the heart of Jesus and communicating the heart of Jesus to us so that we can rise up as the people of God and so me in my own personal time before the Lord. I've, I've, this is the part of the Spirit's work that I love so much, that I'll come before the Lord and I, the morning is my time to pray. I'll sit in my little prayer chair with my cup of coffee because the Bible says that you're not allowed to pray without coffee. And so I get there. And I just kind of start praying, and I'm always, you know, I feel it in my soul. I feel what's in there. I feel my fear about things and my apprehension about the future. And then the Spirit comes to me, and he reminds me that Jesus says, Be anxious for nothing. Do not worry about anything. And I go, That's right. I can trust you, Jesus. And I find myself tipping over into trust. Or there are times that I'll come into prayer and I feel myself closed off with judgment and with anger about what people have done to me or they've said to me or they've said about me. And the Spirit comes to me and he says, you don't need to judge them. Judgment belongs to God. You can entrust yourself to the Father's care. Give yourself to Jesus again. And I find myself opening up. Or there are times that I'm so weary and heavy from life and the Spirit comes to me and he says, Andrew, don't you remember, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I go, that's right. It's Jesus. And so the Spirit takes me by the hand, and he leads me into the heart of Jesus. Guys, you can rely on this. Whatever you're in the middle of, the person of Christ is rushing at you in the Holy Spirit to lead you into the kingdom of God. C.S. Lewis described the Christian life as further up. And further in. When you grab the Spirit's hands, this is what he does. He leads you deeper into the kingdom of God, deeper into the heart of God himself, which leads me to my third and my final point, which is this, that the Holy Spirit incorporates us into the God life. Chapter 14, verse 16, once again, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you and before long the world will not see me anymore but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And on that day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and show myself to him. And Judas, not Judas Iscariot said, but Lord, he's confused, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching and my Father will love them and we will come to them and we will make our home with them. This is what the Holy Spirit does. To the extent that the Holy Spirit leads us into the person of Christ, he's leading us to an experience of our sonship and our daughtership in Jesus the Son. Paul talks about this all the time. He says, you were once darkness, and you were once orphans, and you were once far off. You once were alienated from God. But what God has done in the Son is that he's made us part of his family so that not only are we implanted in the heart of God but God has implanted himself in our hearts and we are all tangled up in this triune dance. The home that God makes for us is in the heart of the son Jesus and he brings us into this by the power of the Holy Spirit and guys, this is the thing that changes our lives knowing that we're beloved sons and daughters of God. Earlier this year, Uh, some leaders in our church planned a time of extended prayer and worship after one of our services. And uh, I was so uh, excited to just participate. They kind of took the initiative on it. And so as a pastor, you're leading stuff all the time. And I looked forward to having a thing that I did not really have to be involved in. I could just sort of watch happen. And so I sat in the back during this time of extended prayer and worship, and I felt um, the—actually, I was sort of annoyed by this. I felt the Holy Spirit start tugging on me. Andrew, you have to say something. I go, I don't want to say anything. You have to say something. I go, okay, fine. So I get up, and I— uh, he gives me a couple different words that I'm supposed to give. One was for folks that were struggling with um, severe anxiety, the kind of anxiety that cripples you and starts to consume your life. And so I gave that word, and um, I had, there were five or six people that raised their hands, and so I had folks cluster up around them, and we prayed for them, and it was wonderful. And as they were praying, the Lord gave me this second word, and what I saw in my heart, and this was almost so specific, that I, it was so specific that I felt awkward sharing it, but um, while well, that Those prayer groups kind of died down. I said, okay, I got a second thing to share. I said, what I see in my heart is that there's at least one person here and maybe more of you who about five years or so ago, you made one of those really dramatic decisions to follow Jesus. I don't know what you were in the middle of or what you were doing, but you knew it was the right thing to do and God was laying it on your heart. And so you did it. It was one of those, I have decided to follow. And you've felt the lights and you walked down the altar and it was that big thing, right? That, that, That happened. I said, and so you did that, the road forked. And then after you made that decision, that decision led to other big decisions that you had to make to follow Jesus. And so the road forked, and it forked, and it forked, and it forked. And I said, and what I saw in my heart is that in the last six months or so, the road has forked. And all along the way, you felt a sense of God's presence with you. But in these last six months, you just kind of feel like God led you, led you, led you, led you, and then dropped you. I said, so if that's you and you're here, would you just raise your hand? And there were two ladies that raised their hands on either side of the room. And so I had the folks cluster up, and we prayed for them. while worship continued. And the one girl over here, I could tell that the Lord was really doing something profound in her. And so I walked over to her to pray for her. And I laid my hands on her. And, guys, she was sobbing. I mean, just bawling her eyes out and so we prayed for her for a while and then the time of prayer and worship ended and I was pulling my stuff together in the kitchen and she came in and found me and she goes hey can I um, talk to you for a sec I go yeah she goes you know I was one of the ladies that you all prayed for I go oh that was you over there she goes yeah that was me she goes listen about five years ago I was caught in an abusive relationship with a man who was no good and I knew that God was leading me to make the kind of decision that was in my best interest, and so I left him. And I felt that I felt that rush of God's pleasure over me, that I was doing the right thing, even though it was scary and hard. And she said, and, "And she said that word that you gave was so it was just for me." She said, "The road has forked a number of times, and then six months ago I moved to this city." And she goes, "I don't know where God went." And when you gave that word that you gave for me tonight, it was the first time I had felt God's presence and love over me in six months. Thank you for sharing that. Guys, so here's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's ministering to us, to our lonely, wayward hearts that forget that God is with us and loves us. He's ministering the love of God to us. And this is the thing that changes our lives. The scripture reading from earlier, from Romans 5, Paul says that hope doesn't disappoint us. Why? Why? Because God has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. To the extent that we open ourselves up to the love of God, the fathering love of God, it gives us hope for our future. That the love that meets us and rushes to us, that grafts us into the God life in the here and now, will meet us again tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. That our future is not this sort of void that we're walking into, where we step off one day into oblivion, but that we are, as the writer of Proverbs says, that the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn that shines ever brighter until the full light of day. And there are some of you that are in this room this morning that are struggling massively with a sense that God has forgotten you and He's left you and that nobody's looking out for you. And I'm telling you, by the Spirit of God, that is a lie. That's a lie. Paul says that we were chosen in him before the foundation of the earth to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. He predestined us for adoption as his sons. And when God makes a decision to set his love on us, he does not revoke it. Receive it into your bones because it changes your life. Let's stand together. oh, I went too long. Lord, we love you. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would settle on your sons and daughters here and now. For all of those that are in this room this morning who are struggling with a sense that they have been abandoned and forgotten, all of those who feel as though decisions they have made have put them in the far country away from you, um, uh, Well, we just pray that they would know your presence and your love, that they would sense that you are with them as you are always with us. Lo, I am with you always, Jesus says, to the very end of the age. You are that by the agency of the Holy Spirit, and so we pray for that. And I also pray this morning, Lord, for those that are in this room who have not yet opened themselves up to the Holy Spirit, have never let their hearts tip over into faith. I'm asking, Spirit, that you would awaken the cry of Abba Father in them here and now. Break down all walls of resistance. Break down hard-heartedness. Break down tight-fistedness. Lead them to faith. Lead them to hope. Lead them to love by the power of your Holy Spirit. We're asking that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.